This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie here at the Popcorn Talk Network. Today we are talking the movie based on a memoir called Boy Erase. So stay tuned as we discuss. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We have Marissa Serafina here. Hello, everyone. I am Phil Svitek. Missing in action today is Dimitri Panos. We are listening to the Boy Erased song. Yes, Revelation by Troy Sivan. This is such a great song. I've... Admittedly, I've been listening to this on repeat all week. It's so good. It is a good song, and we will certainly discuss it at length uh, when we get to the music portion of our show, which for those of you joining us for the very first time or are unfamiliar with how we do things, first off, welcome. Welcome to you for joining us. Uh, Secondly... Here's how we operate. We're not just a movie review show. Yes, we'll give our opinions right at the top, but then after that, we're pretty much diving into all spoiler territory, so warning now, we're going to talk about plot lines and really dive in deep, and we're not just going to talk about the story, we're going to give you the how and why. How did this get made? Why did it get made? And the culmination right now, it's pretty limited, so we're going to talk a little bit about box office numbers, but not as meaningfully as we normally get to do, but... Uh, what we will get to talk about is kind of our Oscar predictions because mm-hmm. this is this is the type of movie that you, that you just see being nominated for a lot of lot of things, um, and not just because of the subject matter, but um, certainly that does help to a certain extent. So that's kind of how we do things around here. Also, if you're curious to find out, you know, all the various information that we sometimes don't always get to, we do have a PDF in our rundown. It's in the description. Uh, that and you click that it has our various notes so you can follow along and just find little nuggets of information it rounds out the conversation but what mostly rounds up the conversation is you at home commenting letting us know what you thought of the movie any questions you had things of that nature essentially whatever you want just type it because we're not mind readers you know (laughs) let us know what you thought exactly so without further ado even though that was much ado (laughs) Marissa, what did you think of Boy Erased? Okay, so I was actually really excited to go see it. Not really knowing the context of the story, but I was sold via the trailer because you have Russell Crowe, Lucas Hedges, and Nicole Kidman. And Joel Edgerton. Well, like Those four, I'm immediately sold just for the um, the performance caliber that is you know, that cast. And uh, I knew it was going to be good, and the, the music was great. It sold me also with Revelation. We'll get more into that. So I, I was really excited. And then watching it, I'm like, oh, it's about this. Okay. Yeah. And we'll definitely get to that, too. But So I wasn't like fully prepared knowing what I was getting myself into watching. And it's such a beautifully, painfully told story of, and a social commentary on how people – treat other people and act 
um, on certain situations when it comes to homosexuality, which I feel in today's age and definitely within Hollywood, like we're becoming more at every like I feel the community is becoming more acceptable in some ways. Yeah, we have a long way to go, but more stories are being told about homosexuality without like um, not talking about it. They are addressing it. And I think this movie did a great job of bringing attention to homosexuality and how it affects not just one person, but a family, a community. And I think they did that very well. And walking away with the, uh, of this film, I was like, wow. It, it moves you, and you think about it afterwards. Yeah, this is, to be honest, I, I knew what this movie was about, and I was avoiding it for a long time, given the subject matter. Now, not because I'm against, like, I, I'm in full support of, of gay communities and things like that, but I just knew based on the fact that it was a, a gay conversion therapy, t- like that was the subject matter, I knew that it was going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I prepared heavily for to kind of watch it, um, and I knew it would be a beautiful movie in terms of what, the, what it was trying to tell, and it would articulate it very well, and the message would be extremely, extremely powerful. <laughs> um, and to be honest, when I walked in, the thing that made it even harder than I expected was the humanity of which the 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 gay conversion camp was treated with. Because in a sense, or inhumane, the, as you can say. Well, in this, it started off very like it had logic behind it. It had this notion of in a different reality. If I didn't know any better. You could imagine yourself almost subscribing to that. Um, there was like a painful love that was associated with it rather than, I don't know, like a Nazi concentration camp where they're just beating people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, initially it played that whole hand where nothing's wrong with you. You, you just made a bad choice and it, it almost came from a place of love, but it's just it, deeply wrong. And that's what made it painful to watch is that they're they're – you know, the, the villain wasn't as clearly defined initially. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I didn't want to like necessarily talk about this too early, but uh, but but might as well. Um, there's a big part, you know, they're, they're kind of comparing heterosexuality to homosexuality and how like you have to think about the quote consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, homosexuality, as the movie says in the camp, leads to uh, rape, violence and so forth. And I thought for a moment, from the perspective of um, uh, Jared, that he was like, okay, well, I haven't done those things. I thought that's how they would address it. And then we cut to a rape scene where he gets raped. Yeah. I was like, that's it. I was not ready for that. Yeah. Because then, in in a sense, it validates what the camp was saying. And even though he's not the one that was raping in that moment, but the fact that, like, someone that was homosexual raped him and then like that's what caused him to be outed it certainly wasn't good right and uh, it was really moving when he said uh you know that's not my sin and that is a what you say quote-unquote consequence uh, about it it's hard because that was one of the that was when you see it in the in the film that was like the first moment where he allowed his homosexuality to take place like he acted upon it a little bit and then it went farther than he expected 
and which ultimately led to the rape which but in in a way it, it just like it he had to explore his homosexuality and it it went into a, a dark path in which he didn't realize um but it's not the cause of why he was homosexuality it's just what happened to him yeah and you know um very deliberately uh this movie has both sides exploring you know and figuring it out you know whether like you said whether it is the parents in this case russell crowe and nicole kidman or jared in this case um but let's backtrack just a quick tad just to give some context so this is based off of a memoir which is based off, of course, the truth of um, Jared Conley. Um, and for a long time, he was gripping with like these emotions, and it took him almost like 10 years just to write this memoir. He felt he couldn't write a movie adaptation of it, so he wanted to let... He thought filmmakers would be a better fit for it, so he allowed this to happen. Um, Joel Ed, 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 Edgerton, Edgerton yeah. um, kind of comes along. Now, he feels conflicted because, you know... Ha- is he going to be able to tell the story? But he felt compelled, like this came to him rather than it, him coming to it. And um, and kind of from there, in a sense, the rest is history in terms of like, the, it was just very symbiotic. Everyone was on board to make this movie. Yeah, absolutely. And you and it, Joel had read the, um, the actual memoir and it did speak to him just in the, in the sense that it was a story that need, needed to be told. And he he just as that creative, and you know we we know he's a writer and stuff. He had the motivation to write something t- told properly, and he uh, once he got the approval from the real Jared that, uh, um, and he had the support throughout through all the um, revise and iterations that led after the first original draft. So that that helped him because he he kept writing more and adding more authenticity. As he was writing along, yeah, and you, you know, even just down to everybody else, like uh, Lucas Hedges, he interacted a lot with with the real Jared and went to his family. Uh, Russell Crowe went to the church of the real Marshall and and took notes based on his sermon. Mm-hmm. That would be an interesting, like you know, to, to to see into the mind of what he was picking up. Yeah, and what the the real father was like in real life, and and I think just goes to show that. Those are actors really getting into the characters because they are portraying real life people. It's not fiction, um, in in that sense. So that that's good on the actors to really take the time and effort to know their characters that they're they're people that they're portraying, and you know really bring it to life on screen. And also, so we have Joel Edgerton, you know, a part of it, but also Focus Features got heavily involved, um, being the studio that backed it up because the Focus Features is actually has made Academy Award winning LGBTQ movies such as, you know, um Dallas Buyers Club, Danish Girl, Milk, Brokeback Mountain. So this is this is not their first rodeo um with um, covering homosexuality films and actually telling a like a meaningful story. Absolutely, and you know, going back to an earlier point that you were talking about, like the, their dedication because these are real life people. But we also we we we've said this on other uh, shows, whether whether for fictitious movies or or not. The more specific you are with your characters, ironically, the more universal. And in this sense, like what, what? Yes, they're they're portraying the experiences of this one person, 
granted, you know, you can include the family in that, but their journey in essence is the journey of a lot of people. And that's what the end cards do and, and, and highlight that, like, listen, this is his story, but this is happening throughout all, all of America pretty much. Right. And I like, and I like how they give credibility because not that it is incredible, but to just really hone in the fact that this is happening. This is worldwide. It's not just within our country. This is worldwide. And I think another movie that did that so well with the end title cards at Spotlight mm-hmm. um, that delves into priests abusing young children in that sense. And it's it's a bigger pandemic than you think it is. And more people need the awareness of that. And I think Boy Erased does a great job of like bringing that to light. Absolutely. Um might as well uh, just a couple of quick stats for you here, real quick. Um, currently, this is America. Uh, Thirty-six states don't have lawsuits against conversion therapy, while fourteen states plus Washington D.C. have passed laws protecting LGBTQ youth from it. According to the Human Rights Campaign, highly rejected LGBTQ youth were eight times more likely to have attempted suicide, six times more likely to report high levels of depression more than three times as likely to use illegal drugs, more than three times likely to be at high risk for HIV and STDs. Yeah. And see, people don't realize those numbers, too, because they are still people, you know, at the end of the day as well. And But because it's such a, still, unfortunately, such a taboo thing for homosexuality, and it's not as accepted as, well, as it should be, it does put a damper on people's well-being and their their mental health and what it actually how it actually affects them emotionally and physically that unfortunately like suicide and depression they, those are symptoms of that yeah and to be clear and perhaps like if there is anyone who's like trying to figure this out um what we're saying is not lgbt youth this is their stats it's rejected meaning you or or whatever society you have rejected them and so they have nowhere to turn to and this is what it leads to so let me be a hundred percent clear on what these stats actually are it's not them as a function of society it's society functioning against them yeah and these stats that you just read are for the youth community it's not even going for the adult community as well so i imagine even for the adults community the numbers are higher yeah or at least you know, probably, and I'm not making a generalization, but like that, I'd imagine it's probably high, if not equal, for the adults because they were young too. Yeah, and you know, one of the big aspects of this movie, obviously true to life, but um, religion it plays a big part um, from this standpoint, right? The fact that uh, his dad, Marshall, is a pastor just already sets it, uh, which you know, and from that sense, I I appreciated the 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 battle that certainly Jared had of like, wait, you know, like I know I'm gay, but I still think I can believe in God. Like, just because I'm gay doesn't mean that God mm-hmm. hates me. And again, ironically, that's that's where like things became really tough for me be, be, because when he goes to camp, they, they kind of said the same thing, except they said like, hey, God hasn't stopped loving you. But you got to just get rid of this "quote unquote" bad thing, yeah. and you can. And and it was just their their mentality of how they were. I don't want to say tricking, but how they were trying to hone in 
with the the students at the camp, like just their mental thought changes, like you're doing X, Y, and Z that's taking you farther away from God. You get rid of homosexuality. You get rid of those qualities. You can become one again with God. And like it's such a twisted way to get back to, you know, just for acceptance of acceptance of God. And they were always talking about homosexuality is a choice. You're choosing to this. You're choosing to that. It's not... It's not a, what you are. It's what you're choosing to do. So all these twisted ways that they're really drilling into these kids, it's just frustrating that some of them are trying to believe it and some of them obviously don't. Um, but just that they're getting away with it. Like, that's that's how they taught. It was very frustrating. Well, that no, the fact that they, they said on point blank, like, this is not your fault. This is your parents. This is your family's fault. And then, like, let's pinpoint all the screwed up shit they have going on in their lives that caused this. Yeah, your gene map, what, whatever that was called. Um, and it is crazy because, yeah, maybe alcoholism is, people say it's hereditary, but it's a behavioral trait that can get passed down. It's not genetic, it's behavioral. And so uh, it's it's twisted in that sense that they're even going back. It's like, wh- where's the cause of the issue? This isn't your fault. It's it happened somewhere. Let's figure it out. But and but that also brings like more shame and animosity towards the people who who could be in the wrong for starting it. Yeah. So it's just their their twisted mentality of what they thought of homosexuality. Um, it's frustrating to watch throughout throughout the entire film. It is because. Again, they, they twist it on its head. They they are not uh, drill sergeant. They have moments of being drill sergeants, like when they're uh, throwing the baseball baseballs at like the kids, and they they want them to to hit it with the bat. And then the one kid gets injured. Um, but apart from that, first off, anytime I, I feel like that you create things and you say like you can't share it with outside the group. Then you really don't necessarily trust the process because if it, if it could with, mm-hmm. I look at things and you know I'll make a claim on anatomy, right or wrong, but I say it because I allow criticism, and if my if my statement is false, it will be criticized as such, and I'll learn from it, or I'll learn that it actually does hold up, you know, and so but that that's what that's what that allows you to do if you're more open about it by closing your doors. You don't invite criticism. Right. And also, it just shows that there were red flags immediately with that community when you know they're skirting on lines of moral um, behavior and stuff when they're not comfortable of allowing to talk. No one can know what we're doing outside of these walls. So you know that whatever they're doing, they're, they're skating that, like, is this legal? Is this not? Um, but also very concerning because they're dealing with minors and when minors can't even talk about it with their parents, the parents should be, you know, the parental figures should be like, red flags, what's happening with my children? Well, that, I look at, I, I had the privilege of working at a hospice for a number of years. Um, and what, one of, I, I say privilege because you, you, you know, the compassion you start to have for people. But uh, one of the big things that hospice has that's different than, let's say, a hospital is they care for not just the patient but the family. And so in this case, like as far as conversion is concerned, yes, you're quote-unquote converting this child, but but we're seeing that it's just 
if if you re- if you really cared that much, you wouldn't just be converting the child. You would you would kind of offer support for the rest of the family, mm-hmm. and not keep it away from them. And that's what I pre like Nicole Kidman, her character Nancy. That was one of the things I appreciated. Like, what a performance! Praise ages by Nicole Kidman, but but just Nancy herself to to dig deeper and to really stand up at the end against her husband. Yeah, I love that because I mean, first of all, we we both love Nicole Kidman. We've said it time and time again on Anatomy, um, but also just showing that there are good people out in the world that yeah witness a lot of bad stuff happening, but don't do enough that in their power that they can and i like nancy put her foot down be like no you're doing something wrong this is my child and i'm actually going to take the initiative steps and assertive steps to go against this um and i like that because it senses like yeah maybe not everyone can accept homosexuality especially if it's in your children because like i've witnessed parents like completely denounce their children um and, and it's not fun so to know that um, Jared still had a loving, loving parental figure that can still support him in that way against what's happening to him. It, it gave the you know just the audience some semblance of hope. There are people out there um, that can support you. That like like especially especially in those moments, like you you want your parents of all people to to really Stick help up for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, because you know, in the in the case of Jared, it's one thing to come out, but the way it wasn't his choice to come out in the way that he did, number one, and it wasn't his choice to realize that he's gay necessarily in the way that he did. You know, like when you, like yeah, he was rape is like one of the most human and worst sins you can possibly imagine besides let's say like straight up killing somebody right you know the only difference is i guess that that like rape in a sense you're, you're carrying that with you for the rest of your life whereas at least if you die it's <laughs> well the thing is like murder is governmentally illegal rape is immoral there's a difference rape isn't legal it's moral mm-hmm. highly immoral um so there there is that the difference there but also it did allow for this is going to sound terrible, but like the rape situation did allow Jared to finally have the opportunity to tell his parents. Granted, not a deal. This is not how he wanted to, you know, come out. But it gave him the opportunity to actually accept and for who he is and tell his parents. Because had that not happened, we probably would have gone more years without him, you know, still being in the closet. Yeah. I mean, in some sense, that the, there's a book called "The Obstacle Is the Way." So, mm-hmm. in this sense, like, even though all of these things were an obstacle, like the fact that you know, you, you look at the culmination of his life, like a this movie, the ending of it, but but the fact that he's writing about this and he's made it kind of his life's mission to uh, bring this to attention until it is eliminated, um, you know, is obviously a noble cause. So it's unfortunate for him, but he's using that pain for good. Yeah, um, use it as a challenge and work work your way through it or work your way around it to get your end successful goal. And that's what he, he wanted to do. He wanted to bring attention and awareness, and he did it through the unfortunate circumstances that he went through, but he ultimately did it. Yeah, and, you know, as far, like when I look at the movie, um, the fact that he was able to talk with his mom, it often comes down to that, like the ability for people just to talk. 
So at first they weren't necessarily on the same page, but the more they kind of, the more they had conversations and so forth, they they came to a mutual understanding. Whereas with his dad, his dad just completely shut things off. Right. And even at the end, when he kind of shows up and says, like, "Hey, I just want you to know, like, I, I I'm doing this, and I want you to know, and like, yes, it'd be great to have you read it, but if nothing else, like, I'm here to tell you that I'm doing going forth with this." Mm-hmm. And even then, the father still wasn't, he didn't say much in response. And we see the differences between the mother and the father. Throughout the movie, the mother is still genuinely, you know, caring and supportive. We see her read the the handbook that they give um, the the students. Like, she is actively trying to figure out what's going on um, so she can get closer to her son, understand her son more. We don't see the father ever making the effort um, once he heard homosexuality, that was it, done. He couldn't hear anything else or see anything else. But the mother actively, throughout the movie, um, put the effort into trying and understanding everything better. So and it makes sense why um, the the son, Jared, was more connected and more communicative to his mother, not his father. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> from what I understand, too, the real Marshall is becoming a little bit more open but he's still uh, as you can probably imagine a little bit reserved about this whole thing but he is slowly starting to open up and the fact that i mean i mean in a sense it's almost like a miracle the fact that the real marshall and russell crowe had the relationship that they did like they would text back and forth and 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 whatnot so obviously marshall does care that that if nothing else he wants to be portrayed uh correctly it might Mm -hmm. not be in the best light but at least it's correct. Right. And the thing that I find interesting about this film that I think is actually pretty good, but it might frustrate other people, but I think they did it wonderfully. Um, Joel did it wonderfully. That there isn't a clear set villain in mm. this film. And there's really not that one bad guy. You, you could think maybe the father is for not being accepting of a son. You can think it's Sykes for, you know, drilling in. You're, you're wrong. You're wrong. It, there's... It's really the, it's just like how you personally as an as an audience member see th- what's right and what's wrong in your personal values. So it, it doesn't clear cut that this is the antagonist, this is protagonist. It's like it's whoever or whatever values that go against you that's wrong. Yeah, and obviously that's a very real world type of application of it because as you go through the world, you'll hear a lot of opinions. Um, as especially nowadays everyone's got one and Mm -hmm. you kind of have to make up your own mind and your own judgments of do i agree with this do i not yeah it's it's ambiguous in that way but in a good way because everyone's different it is you know the unfortunate part is one of the central messages in, in terms of the camp that kept being reinforced multiple ways was um you know fake it till you make it essentially right and you're essentially faking your emotions. Yeah. It's it, it tough. It, it is tough. It's uh, for when we had, I only know about his real name, Troy Savant. Gary. Gary was the one who's like, fake it till you make it, play the part. Um, from his character, I understood it's play the part just for your survival, that you mm. can get through this camp and you can make it day in, day out. Um, you can't really apply it to real life, but for this, for this camp, Fake it, go with whatever they're saying, act like you you agree and whatever. But no, once you leave, 
you, you still have your core values. Um, I find that interesting because you just wonder how many other people really do that in real life who aren't true to themselves. Yeah, and you know that could apply beyond just like homosexuality too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely is interesting. I mean, one, one of the when you look at uh, one of the one of the powerful things about the movie is that on the surface level, um, and this is kind of how it should be, right? Jared, in in essence, is a great human being. The only thing is, he's just someone who happens to be gay. Now, it's a part of him, but it doesn't define him. Yeah, exactly. He wants to be a writer. He, uh, you know, one of the big conflicts is he want, wants to continue with college, and he's taken out of college to do this, and furthermore said, like, hey, you should take uh, the, the rest of the year off. Right. Like, what? S- I want to learn. Be like, the college is not the best thing for you right now in your life. Are you just like, who, what authority figure would tell you higher education is not good for you? Like, that's hmm. so unrealistic. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's. It's psycho- it is but that's, not the norm, obviously. That's the frustration with just Sykes because everything that Sykes, we'd like to say, truly believed, he was trying to drill into these students. It's like, no, that's not necessarily right. Yeah. I mean, I, I give Joel a lot of credit. I mean, it's one thing to direct. It's one thing to write. Um, but he, he is playing a very conflicted character. You know what I mean? It'd be, mm-hmm. it'd be one thing if he like took um, a, a more simpler role or one that, let's, for lack of a better term, objectively a little bit nicer or like the good guy. But he, for all intents and purposes, he is playing that antagonist, and which is obviously as far as the message he's trying to get out with the movie is in direct opposition of what he's trying to say. But it, but in order to do that, he has to, the better he is as as. Um, Victor, the mm-hmm. better the movie becomes. Which it's it's a weird duality, and I give him a lot of credit for being able to pull the hell out of this. Yeah, and especially wearing so many hats at the same time. So uh, kudos to Joel. He he's great, and I think he did Victor Sykes such a good job. He like you loved to hate him in that sense. Um, you could say he is the main antagonist, but you don't really want to say. But like he is the one that is. The the most gives the most opposition throughout the entire film. Um, very frustrating because you the way that he was like making up situations, especially when it comes to the the confrontation. Like talk to your father, you, you hate your father, and he's just he's starting these moments that's getting Jared more angry. And while the the animosity is building, so is the the audience. Like we're getting there, we're getting frustrated at the same time. And it does a great job of like just slowly building to something that is literally explosive. And you know, to that point, that the interesting, like the fact that you have to blame someone else, right? Because it's such an easy, oftentimes, right? You know, whenever people tell you to change, they say like you got to accept the blame for yourself, or like you got to change yourself. Mm-hmm. But what this. In the most fucked up way possible, what what this this camp is doing is saying no. The blame is on someone else, and we not only are we going to say that the blame is on someone else, you get to be upset at that person for doing this to you. Yeah, it's like some twisted version of transference. Yeah, and so, but and and but but Jared is smart enough to know, like like even though my dad doesn't necessarily agree, he never stopped loving his dad. Yeah, and said like, no, I I I love my mom, I love my dad. 
and I, I like God wants me to love everybody, so I'm gonna love everybody. And just, just I just happen to be gay, right? And this also just this situation just came after the night of where we witnessed another student, Cameron. Poor Cameron. Shoot, we can get into Cameron, but like literally beating the crap out of him um, because they believed if he. If he can't, if Cameron can't accept and get rid of, quote-unquote, this homosexuality, we're going to beat the living crap out of him. We're going to beat the homosexuality out of him. And to be followed by another situation that was obviously um, formulated to get a reaction in that sense. So at this point in the film, the audience really doesn't know what Psych is capable of. We know he's capable of physical abuse. Now he's capable of emotional abuse. So let's talk about Cameron. I was avoiding him for a long time because... Yeah, because it's <sighs> difficult. Yeah. Luckily, but we like, have to. I mean, it is kind of the elephant in the room. Yeah. I mean, the good news is the bright spot of all of this is that change is possible, um, you know, and we have to kind of face these demons head on um, as difficult as it is. But so in that sense, let's talk about Cameron. Um. Mm. I, he he obviously like when we talked about the statistics earlier he represents one of the three statistics mm-hmm. he was at higher rate to commit suicide think suicide he does commit right you know um and what's really sad is near the beginning probably in the first couple of days we see the students there and jared there um i personally had the thought i was like someone's gonna kill themselves I just know um, it's like someone's going to commit suicide at the the painful path that we're going down. Like someone has to. I didn't know who, but eventually led to, to Cameron was the one. Um, and it's so frustrating. But I also Cameron had his moment where, yes, he was beaten. But because he couldn't save himself, he did save someone else um, before his ultimate unfortunate death as well but i like how he still had an influence on the world he could still someone help someone else even though ironically he couldn't save himself yeah absolutely that's uh that's a great way of putting it so i'll leave it at that mm-hmm. rather than murky up the waters um anything else story-wise you want to talk about before we shift gears into the production aspects of things um other than the fact that I I did like the near the end where um, Jared he is older he is more mature he's more uh, comfortable with himself and who he is as a person he's gonna be fine and you can see that he's happy he's living on his own he has a successful writing career he has friends who generally love him he can make his own decisions by riding the car with his hands out <laughs> you know so you know he yeah he went through hell. But he came out like okay, kind of you know, and not to say unscathed because he you know he went through hell. But you know that he he survived essentially. Yeah, and uh, I believe uh, he does live with his husband. Correct. I've yes. been consuming so much content, and uh, so hopefully I'm yes. not making that up. But yes, it is. He is happily married. He is happily married, so kudos to him, and they live in New York, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what I thought. Good good for me for remembering. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, speaking of which, I might as well take, uh, before we dive into the, the production side of things, I want to give you, normally I don't do this, but I want to give you the upcoming calendar of events here for Anatomy, so you know why my brain might be fried at certain <laughs> moments. 
So today we've done the Grinch, a, a short of a sort of compressed version of that, and we've also done the Girl in the Spider's Web. So we can check those out. This coming Tuesday, we will be doing Fantastic Beasts, the second one, The Crimes, Crimes of, of Grindelwald. There you go, and Widows. Mm-hmm. So um, one sort of fun movie, one uh, Widows. I'm told is a pretty dark movie as well. Intense. Then we have Thanksgiving, so we won't be here that Friday. However, there are lots of Thanksgiving movies, so we can't rob you of that. So we will be doing Creed 2. And uh, welcome to Mar Win on Tuesday the 27th. And then November 30th, which is Friday, we will do Instant Family and Ralph Breaks the Internet. So that's just like in the coming weeks. And we're, that still puts us behind on stuff. All right. So if you're looking for us, we're at the movie theaters. <laughs> yep. Um, also, speaking of which, we, we do have a long archive of, of a lot of shows. Like, um, you know, in particular, if you're interested in LGBTQ stories, we've done Love, Simon. Um, uh, what was the one? Why am I blanking on it? Sh- Timothy Chalamet. Uh, uh, yeah, Call Me By Your Name. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the ones that pop into mind. Anyway, back to our regular scheduled programming. And we've uh, also done, sorry, to, um, but it does. It is relevant. Um, we also did Lady Bird, which yes. Lucas Hedges was also in with Timothy Chalamet. And Lucas Hedges plays a homosexual boy in that film as well. There you go. He was just getting ready for the role. Yes, it was. Um, okay, so so let's, let's talk about the production side of things. Um, about 38 days of filming with 400 hours of footage, which... Might seem like a lot to most normal folk, but it sounds about on par. Right, right. Um, that's a very fast turnaround for, for filming, but it isn't a comic book movie. There isn't visual effects and explosions here and there. It, this is a movie that's all about writing and character and performance, and yeah. they definitely did it. And really, if you think about it, the film really only takes place in about three, maybe four locations. So it's not like they had to travel the world. It is within its own space. And overall, it plays relatively real time. Like we're confined to that twelve-day camp period, um, plus or minus a couple scenes beforehand. You know, like what leads up to him. We get a couple of instances of that, and then we essentially jump four years after. Four years. Um, so it is. You know, it plays relatively real time. Yeah, and we, the the hotel that the the mother and Jared were staying at. That's essentially one location and we had that those houses that people graduate to which is right next to the main location of the camp so it's literally everything is within like a few miles of each other and we're we are not to say we're stuck but we're we're placed in a specific area yeah and and even look wise like from the characters the settings and so forth it it has that very middle of nowhere but everywhere type of feel like, you can imagine this as, as a small town, pretty much any part of America. Right. And I think that's that's the beauty of the story is that there are universal themes. There are international themes that, um, yes, we're in one location, but the story resonates everywhere. Yes. Um, and one of the things that resonate, I, I want you to talk about the color blue because it's a very specific portion of it. And uh, yeah. and you managed to find this, so I want to give you the opportunity. So the DP, Edward Grow, um, his vision was to keep the film as raw and um, realistic as possible. So he used natural light um, whenever possible, especially at the camp. And, you know, they bounced a lot of 
the the light off of the white walls in there. It felt like a church, a very very like very, very no, I don't want to say boring, but like lifeless kind of church. And um, they used a lot of like natural neutral uniform sets, so everyone, a lot of people were in white and their khaki pants. And Let me ask you this: pants. Do you think like the the quote unquote lifeless church? Um, you know, obviously, there's the notion that God is everywhere, but but in, in essence, because they're trying to convert, and even though they're they're using God's word to try to convert, but the fact that they're that this probably isn't God's word, that God would not be there. Does that sound convoluted? A little bit, but I think I get what you're saying. I Maybe, mean, meaning it's grim because God is in fact not there, and he, not there. he's not. He doesn't want this to happen, so he's not going to shine a light upon this place like a normal church that is much more lively, lively. And, and colorful. And we see it, and we see it so often in television and films where we see life and personality. You see color, and at that camp, you saw. No color. I think the only color that we really saw was when they had the the mock funeral. How twisted that was! <laughs> Jesus. Um, they shined yellow on, onto the casket, and that's literally the only color you see. And like they're like glorifying death because this is what ultimately would happen to you. Um, again, very twisted. Um, so it, it shows that. Yeah, they kept honing in that God is there and God loves you and God is everywhere, but there is no life and no color there. Like, God's the, not there. It's empty. The, the only color was uh, blue was the, the very deliberate color. So Victor, his shirts were oftentimes, like, um, you know, blue for that reason, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, you can look at as heaven. You can look at as, I don't know, deep blue ocean meaning and so forth like blue is a very hopeful color so it's ironic also but blue can go either way like blue is also a receding color um blue is also represented as dark so you you can see blue as lively as the sky or blue as dark as the ocean so it, it really depends on how you see it um it could go either way and i think that really adds to the character of sykes because he was so convoluted yeah. And until ultimately we find out his true nature at the end of the film. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, as we um, as we continue on, you really want to talk about the, the soundtrack, in particular the song. So I want to give you the opportunity to do so. Right. So one of the main songs, uh, Revelation, that was playing during the scene where um, Jared is with Xavier. And the first night that he spent with a boy, the, the song Revelation was playing. And it's heavily featured in the trailer as well. And we played it at the beginning of the show. So Troy Sivan, who was the actor who played Gary, he is very um, publicly out LGBTQ um, uh, actor and writer and musician in, in that sense. And he actually collaborated with... Uh, Jonesy from the Icelandic rock band Sigur, um, I'm going to butcher this, I'm sorry, Sigur Ro. Sigur Yeah, Sigur um, But Very actually, band, it, was, it was Joel Edgerton that went up to Troy and he was like, can you write <coughs> a, a song for this? Because, you know, um, this is like definitely your real house. And so Edgerton actually gave him the opportunity. And so he they wrote Revelation and Troy says... It is about self-discovery, self-exploration, and finding inner peace um, about the song. And they only wrote it in a couple hours. And honestly, I think it's going to get nominated for Best Song for Academy Awards. I think it should. 
Um, it's a beautiful song. Absolutely. 100%. Um, the film premiered at the Telluride Film Festival in September of this year. It was supposed to, this movie was supposed to come out a little bit earlier, but they pushed it back. Um, as I mentioned at the top, it really is, right now it's only in five theaters. Yeah, five theaters. So I went to one of the theaters. I probably went to one of the others. <laughs> uh, so we are lucky enough to have this. Uh, so it's, it doesn't really make much sense to talk about the box office. And I say, like right now it's made about one, $1. 1.5 worldwide, which for such a For very, five theaters? That's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so kudos to them overall. Uh, but uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it's gotten 85%. Uh, and so forth, 95% overall in terms of audiences who would recommend it. So that's not a cinema score, but it's it, but it's a post track, which is another thing that uh, attracts this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, let's talk Oscar predictions. Let's spend some time. Best picture. Do you see this going up for best picture? Um, yes, because it is a relevant for writing a story. Call Me By Your Name was also last year nominated for best picture. Yeah. So yes, and it's just I, I mean let, forget the subject matter. It's just a great movie. It's a very yeah well made movie, well acted, well crafted, well written, all that stuff. So speaking of which, I think uh, direction, direction absolutely Joel Edgerton. Um, I would even also give it for acting for Joel Edgerton, um, Nicole Kidman. Even though Nicole, would you put her Nicole. as supporting. as lead? Or no, su- I would put her as supporting because Lucas is more the lead in this film. Yeah, it's it's I, it's tough because like she, to me she's the lead female character. She's always lead in like every film that she does. She, I mean, it's Nicole Kidman. She's usually billed number one, but I believe Lucas. I mean, correct Lucas me if I'm wrong. Lucas is number one. Lucas is billed number one in this movie. So I would put um, the main story is not about Nancy. Yeah, she plays a heavy part in it, but it's about Jared, not not uh-huh. Nancy. So I would give her. To supporting. Okay. Um, Lucas, would you give? Absolutely. Okay. That'll be interesting. He's a little bit young, right? Uh, But in terms of the Oscar. He is young, but he's already been nominated once. Supporting, though. For supporting, yes. Which is different. He's definitely graduating up to. He is. I mean, he carried this entire film. Um, Russell Crowe, would you give him supporting? No. No? No. I mean, his character is frustrating to watch him, but it's not out of Russell Crowe's wheelhouse. There's really nothing, and it's not a knack against Russell. He's great. I mean, he's an Academy Award winner, too. But it was nothing stand out about his actual performance that'd be like, yes, that's Oscar-worthy. He he literally looks like the real father. He looks like the father. He put on weight to... To get the physical portrayal before the emotion and actor there there wasn't a moment in this movie was like yeah that's memorable okay fair enough uh writing that's this would be best adaptation yeah yeah definitely um i don't think any of the like technical ones like i don't think it's an editing one i don't think wardrobe i can't really think production design because it's it's not over the top um, but music, yeah, best song. Um, that's going to be up there with "Stars Born" for sure. Yeah, I think I think "Stars Born" is going to 
kill it on those. Oh, ones. it's going to be great, and I can't wait. But I. But at least this deserves recognition. Reve- yeah, Revelation definitely deserves recognition um, because of the the content behind it and the context of it. It is for the LGBT community. It, if the Oscars were smart, they they would do a duo, a mashup of Shallow and and this because. Lady Gaga is an advocate of the LGBTQ community. Oh, yeah. So if they were smart, I'm just putting it out there. Do your job, produce it, get the two on stage. Yeah. And they would make magic. I would would only watch the Academy Awards for that. (laughs) Look at that. See? Yeah. Listen to to Marissa. I mean, you know I love Lady Gaga, so I'm already there. (laughs) Um, Anywho, anything else that you could see it being nominated for? Um... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think we hit probably the most. The ones that it yeah, would be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to us, watching us. Um, I'd, I'd be very curious to know your comments. Uh, you know, in particular, if you have personal experience, whether you are a parent, whether you are someone who's gone through this. Um, you know, I, I'd love to hear from you if you are listening to this and you are against like you are for conversion camps as much as i disagree i invite you to comment um i think you know when we just curious why we talk yeah when we talk about the importance of dialogue i think it goes both ways so i'm not i'm not adverse to as i said criticism so if Mm -hmm. if you criticize me in the movie let's see it i'm open to it um anyway any final thoughts marissa um it's a beautiful film i it's hard to recommend because it is so serious and it's it's not it's it's heavy for the most part. So you you have to know what you're getting yourself into when you watch it. But it's a beautiful film that a lot of people should see. I agree. I agree. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, you can interact with us more directly at Serafini TV is where Marissa's at. Yep. I'm at Phil Sweet Tech. Thank you guys for joining us. I already gave you the schedule of upcoming stuff, so check back. We've got lots and lots of stuff coming down the pipeline. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.